notes, this is the first message in our new series. It's more than just a story. Here's a statement. Try it on for size if you don't mind. <clears throat> if you come to the conclusion that you believe that God is all you need, you may not know that until God is all you have. Read it again. You don't know that God is all you need until God is all you have. Understanding that in different seasons of our lives, we may go through a path or a journey or a place that we think, God, I don't have any other name to call on except you. I don't have any other resources that I can tap into except that which you have provided. You see, we understand that there may be some of you that are lacking today. Well, I got laid off or furloughed, and money is just, it's lean. Or emotionally, I've been bruised and hurt because some emotional challenge. Or I had an opportunity I thought was my time and my opportunity, but it just evaporated. Or energy or health. Since the COVID, I've been afraid and scared. You see, everything that happens to us in our lives as individuals, as followers of Jesus, God has a purpose. Always remember this. He either did it or he allowed it. Either he initiated or he gave the enemy permission as he did with Job. He set the guidelines. The thing that the devil cannot touch is our salvation. We're going to look at three different instances in the life of Elijah. He is, in fact, our example today. Elijah lived and ministered 900 years before Jesus. He experienced three events in his life. And those are found in 1 Kings 17. Now, a little background, and it is, uh, it's this, that, that there were three kings in Israel. There was no northern and no southern yet. Uh, three kings. There was Saul. Now, God said, I'm, I'm going to be the king. I'm going to provide for you. I'll give you leadership. You don't really need a king. But here's what the people did. Hey, everybody else has got a king. We want a king. So God said, you want a king? I'll give you a king. Here he is. His name is Saul. You know that after Saul, David took over a great king, not perfect, but, but it was a great, great king. And then the person that followed him was his son, and his son's name was what? Got it, Solomon. Solomon served, but Solomon made mistakes. And after Solomon making his mistakes, here's what happened. The kingdom fell apart. The kingdom fell apart. Why? Because Solomon turned his back on the commands and upon the anointing of Almighty God. And so Israel, as it was known as a whole, divided up. And we know that there were two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called uh, Judah. And so for the next 60 years, the northern kingdom, i.e. Israel, uh, had about 19 different kings. 19 different kings. None of them ruled well at all. They were terrible politically, economically, spiritually. And before you know it, the northern portion there of Israel is bankrupt. They're confused. They're in a recession. And the present rulers happens to be Ahab and his wife named what? Jezebel. So Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel tells Ahab, I want you to know, Ahab, these Jews that we have here, we're a part of, but they're not really into worship. I want, I want us to worship Baal. I want to build, I want to build altars to him. I want to do all of that. I don't, I don't want us to be a nation worshiping Jehovah. Look what, look what has happened. And so it is, and so it is, they begin to worship Baal. And Baal became the religious god of the day. 
But God said, I'm not going to put up with that. I am not going to tolerate that. He taps Elijah. He said, Elijah, I prepared you for such a time as this. I want you to go and I want you to confront Ahab. I want you to tell him what I think. I want you to tell him what is going to happen. And so Elijah says, yes, sir, Lord, here we go. And here's what he said, because of your wickedness, talking about Ahab, and because you led this nation to worship false gods, it's not going to rain anymore in this country until I, Elijah, the prophet of God, says so. So here's what we know. The time actually was three and a half years of drought. And we find this, Ahab, it's because of your sin that the nation will suffer three and one half years. Well, naturally, when Jezebel got her text from Ahab, what Elijah said, she didn't like it. And what she said went viral. She said, Elijah, tell him, anybody who sees him, that his life is not worth two cents. And she began to get assassins. She began to get bounty hunters. And she said, here's a picture of the enemy of me, Jezebel, and of Ahab and our land. I want him taken out. I want him out. And sure enough, that's what happened. So the bounty hunters and the assassins went to work. Now notice something carefully. Now Elijah confronted Ahab. And said, as surely as God lives, the God of Israel, whom I worship and serve, there be no dew or rain during the next few years unless, again, I give the word. Well, there have been times, no doubt, that we've all been caught by surprise. Some of you have gone through divorce. You didn't know what was coming. You had no idea. You thought everything was cool, and all of a sudden, your life is turned upside down. The money is not there. The job is challenged. The emotions run wild. All kinds of difficulty. The kids misbehave and you're thinking, how did I ever get here? And there are those in our church that are suffering with COVID-19 right now. I talked to one of them between the services a while ago. So, Pastor, I have no energy. I'm in the hospital. I can hardly get my breath. It's just unbelievable. I'm, I'm not good for anything. And I don't know that I'm getting any better. Never thought in a million years. He's an extrovert, never thought in a million years that he would catch the COVID or the COVID would in fact catch him. And we know that it's taken our world by surprise. But here's what we do know. You can always take a look if you're a follower of Jesus and say, okay, in the midst of these troubled times, what is it that we can do to take advantage of what the devil meant for evil and use it for good in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, that first excuse me, three and one half years, that drought. God said, all right, Elijah, I'm going to take you on a journey. And here's what happened. First Kings 17, 2, 6. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go east and hide in the Kirith ravine, east of the Jordan. The Kirith brook will give you fresh water to drink. And I've commanded ravens to bring you food every day. So Elijah obeyed what the Lord said to do. He moved to the Kirith Ravine and lived there. The birds brought him food each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain. Here's step number one. The first stop in Elijah's journey of faith is the Kirith Ravine. What is a ravine? Here it is. It is a long, narrow rut deep into the ground, a cavern, a long gorge. It's dark, it's narrow, it's cold, it is in fact lonely. And some of you might feel in your own life that you've been in that ravine. Some of you might think you're in it now. Some of you look at your business and said, unless we get a miracle, we're going to have to close it. Some of you look at your family finances and said, wow, we can't pay our credit card debt. So it looks like we're going to be taken to court or we're going to be sued. We can't make the house payment. We can't pay the end. And you might be there. Some of you might be emotionally just afraid and scared. Some of you might be challenged. And you're thinking, I've been praying and praying and praying for a spouse and nothing has happened. I'm tired of being lonely. I'm tired of spending Saturday night at home. I'm tired of no one here that I can gripe at. I mean, talk to. 
and you're there. And in the ravine, not many prayers are being answered. Not many at all. The challenge for Elijah, he was an extrovert. He was not used to being alone. He was used to being out in the marketplace performing miracles. He'd been there, going to be there for years. Tirith means this, cut off. The things that you once enjoyed, that you pleasured in, the things you once took for granted, they're all gone, cut off. And Elijah is cut off from everything, friends, social interaction, all from what's going on in the world, and certainly not in the limelight. God takes an extrovert and turns him in to a hermit. And God yet said, but I have great plans for you, Elijah. This was the beginning of his ministry. We know that he did some incredible things at the hand of God. What's God saying to Elijah? He said, you need to pay close attention. During this time, it's going to be there a year. He doesn't know how long. He said, I, I need some time alone with you, Elijah. I need you to refocus. I need you to dig deep in your love for me. I want you to develop your inner life. Because what I have in store for your future, which Elijah does not know that he would ever face the prophets of Baal, I need you to be prepared to be a strong and valiant leader. I need you to pay attention that when I speak to you, you don't question it. You just do it. I need you to be the kind of man and leader that you are not afraid if all the devils of hell are staring you in the face. I need you to be the kind of leader if you get a bad report that you stand strong, but I know in whom I have believed, and you declare it by the grace of God. That's what I need you to learn, Elijah, in this time of being in that ravine. I want your undivided attention, and I want to give you a year to reflect. Reflect on your past. Reflect on where you've been. You see, often God takes our private darkness in our life and prepares us in the private darkness for the public ministry. You know the story, ravens, God sent them. Ravens took food every single day. Now, in the ravine, here's what you may not know, but you didn't see the sun come up. You didn't see it go down. The only time you saw the sun is when it's directly over you. Sun sh shines straight down in that rut in there, and that's when you see it. But the birds come in and bring their food. Now, where do the birds get their food? Well, they get it off the table of somebody else. They go, and there's an extra bread off a sandwich. I'll take that. There's another piece of bologna. I'll take that. And not only that, here's a dead sheep out there that the wolves are, have torn apart. And, and boy, I want you to know the raven goes and says, this is, this is a steak dinner right here. Only it's a sheep. And takes that little piece of dried morsel and drops it down there into Elijah. Elijah gets used to that. He gets used to that. The leftovers from the carcass. He's got the water, though. He's got that fresh brook with fresh water, and his support is from God. Listen again. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you have. But in this case, 1 Kings 17, 7 says the brook dried up. That even that which you thought you could depend on God for dried up. You can do without food a little while, but you can't do without water very long at all. No matter of fact, the Bible is so explicit, it said the dew on the ground was non existent. What's up with this? You see, I want you to remember that. The brook dried up. I want you to remember where it's at in 1 Kings 17, 7. 1 Kings 17, 7. Say that with me. Here we go. 1 Kings 17, 7. Those of you online said 1 Kings 17, 7. What happened in 1 Kings 17, 7? Come on, y'all. My birthday, so help me out. You say, I don't care about your birthday. Well, it's grandparents' day. 
brook dried up. I thought I could depend on you to help me. Well, I'm sorry, I went under too. I thought you told me that I could skip three payments. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't help. I thought you could, but you can't. I thought you told me that I, I wouldn't be laid off in the COVID. Well, I'm sorry. Business has gone so south and sour. I just have to let you go. I thought you were going to pay my insurance, my medical insurance for me and my kids. Sorry, we can't do that anymore. I thought you were going to help me with the retirement, and we can't do that either. The brook dried up. And God, I prayed and prayed and prayed for an answer to prayer, but wow, not many prayers being answered around here lately. Well, God, my health, I was doing pretty good. I was doing pretty good until the COVID hit me, and I have not been the same since. So what do you do when the brook dries up in your life? There are three reasons why brooks dry up. Are you ready? Here you go. I know you're taking notes. Brooks dry up to keep us from depending on the brook. God said, you've gotten really comfortable, that fresh water flowing through in that stream. But he said, I, I want you to know, Elijah, you're depending on the brook. It's a life source. You may not like the food that the raven bought, but you can always count on the water. It always tastes the same. And now it's dried up. What's God saying? Sometimes in our life when God holds back something we're used to, and sometimes in our life when God takes away something that we're used to, and sometimes in our life that God upsets the nest that is comfortable from us, we, we become accustomed in human nature for depending on that. I don't know what I'm going to do if that happens. You don't. I don't know how I'm going to make it. You don't. Well, who's your source? You see, if that's gone, who do you depend on then? And God said, it's me. Maybe your health or your friend gets away. Maybe you've gone through a bad life of divorce and you're praying, God, I I really need to help. I love companionship. Well, hey, it's not there. Everything that you have right now, thank God for it. It's a gift from God. Say amen. It is a gift from God. Yesterday, Sharon had a, a, a little dinner a party, and, uh, and the kids and the grandkids, majority of the grandkids came. Some are out of town and work out of state and things like that, but they were all there. And we'll gather around and watch them. And I love to cut up with them. How many believe that? So they all had, Sharon had instructed them to have Tim and Kelly and Sherry and, and Dwayne and Lori and Wayne and, and uh, you know, say a few words. And some of the grandkids gave cards. But then somebody, somebody turned on some music that, you know, when I hear music, I mean, it was, it was cut. When in my generation, we called it juke music. How I many just get in your jeans and, and you float? I'm sanctified. Amen? I'm, I'm still working on sanctification, but I just had to hit it. And so I, I went to dancing and flipping around. One of the grandkids said, wow, granddad, we didn't know you can do that. I said, baby, there's a whole lot of things. Age has nothing to do with the desire and the want to. Isn't that right, doll? That's right. Get it on. Get it on. But I'm thinking, what about Job? I looked at those kids. I thought, what a treasure. But what if any one of them were to die? God forbid, what if I were to die? Don't you say amen? <laughs> Thanks for being real quiet. You see, in all those things, and the journey that you're on, we understand that we put God first, say amen. amen. And then here's what else God does. He lets, the, he lets the stream dry up to get us to a better place. How many of you have a favorite chair in your house? So I get it up real high. Come on. Y'all help me. It's my birthday. Come on now. How many have a favorite chair in your house? That's good. How many have a favorite bed in your house? That's right. How many have a favorite fridge in your house? That's good. How many of you have a favorite lawnmower in your home? 
That's good. It should be in the garage. <laughs> but to move us to a better place. You know, when I get comfortable. Yet, have you ever been in your chair, gentlemen, ladies? And you get, I mean, you finally got comfortable. You've had a, you had a wonderful week, but finally you've made it. Your favorite football game is on. Or whatever it is that you watch. You know? And the doorbell rings. And you know what you're thinking? Well, I don't know what you're thinking. I know what I think. Sharon, are you going to get that? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thinking, should I go to the door or not? See, I can do that. I cannot go to the door. Sharon can't. You think you just got settled. Why why wouldn't I jump up and so, hallelujah, the doorbell ring and I get to go get it? Because I'm comfortable. I just got there. You know, life is convenient. And when we reach stages of comfort, we can get used to anything. And we can take God for granted. And God said, okay, now, you've enjoyed this place where you've been. And you've had a good tenure there. Here's one of my, I'm going to move you on to a better place that will fulfill my will in your life more than ever. Elijah, get ready, get set to go. You've been here at the Korean Ravine. Now we're going to move forward. Here it is. Move forward. Well, we know that Elijah has been in that place for about a year and God was protecting Elijah from all the assassins and from all the headhunters. He's been in that rut, but God said, okay, get up and let's go. And as long as the brook was bubbling with water and the ravens were feeding him, he had no need to move whatsoever. And sometimes things out of our control force us to move forward in a place where we would never go except God nudge us. How many has ever been to Enterprise, Alabama? Not the car rental store, but you actually been to Enterprise. Many, many years ago, Enterprise, Alabama was known by its farmers, and they, uh, they raised cotton. Anybody ever had to pick cotton? Yeah, it's not a fun thing to do. It's like picking strawberries. But you get on that cotton patch... And they were doing pretty good, but the old boll weevil came along. And for three consecutive years, maybe four, the boll weevil would just get in the cotton. And I mean, the farmers couldn't sell it, couldn't move it. And they lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. The bankers that had loaned them money to plant the harvest were not getting their money. And I mean, there was nothing moving and shaking. No cotton is being harvested. What are we going to do? God said, I'm about to move you. Well, someone came along and said, you know what? I was, uh, I was just over in Georgia and down about Adel and Tifton. And they said, they're growing peanuts over there. And said, their crops are beautiful. What do you say we just plow up all the cotton and start planting peanuts? And the farmer said, what do we have to lose? They change took care of the property, and planted the peanuts. And here's what happened. They became wealthy in a hurry because the peanut crop was valuable, and they made more money than you could ever imagine. And so it is in the story. There in Enterprise, Alabama, is a statue to the boll weevil. And when they drive by the boll weevil, Mr. Bow Weevil, Mr. Bow Weevil, we are thankful that you came because had you not gotten into our cotton, we never would have painted, planted the peanuts and made money hand over fist. And you know what God is trying to impact us with? When God begins to shake your nest, it's not that he wants to give you less. 
He wants to give you more, but you will never know more until you change locations. Anybody with me? You never know that. So that's a true story. Elijah, get ready. You're about to change locations. The second test was this. Elijah's faith in a dangerous journey. Here's what God said. I'm about to upset you. You're going to change locations. And here we go. Here we go. First Kings 17, 89. I know you're taking notes. Writing swiftly. So then the Lord said to Elijah, now get up and go to Zarephath and live there. I prepared a widow there to take care of you. Get ready for the journey. Hmm. Wow. God didn't say, Elijah, you've been a good faithful steward. You ate, I mean, you ate some of the rankest food I've ever seen in my life. Those ravens went over to the graveyard and picked flesh off the bones. Sun dried it. You ate it. And you did so well. I'm going to give you three options of where I want you or where you can go. You tell me, where would you like to go? Well, God, if you're giving me the option, I'd like to go to Hawaii. That's good. Well, God, I think if you're giving me the option, I'd like to go to Jamaica, Ma. If you're giving me the option, I think I'd like to go to the Swiss Alps. Beautiful. But you know what God did? He didn't give him not one option. He said, here's where you're going. Zarephath. Zarephath. Corinne Ravine is on the south end here of Israel. Zarephath is on the north end. That's 100 miles. And now Zarephath is located in modern Lebanon. That's where I want you to go. But God, don't you know? that there are wanted posters all over the place. Don't you know I got to walk right through the Baal worship where they're worshiping in idols? Don't you know that Jezebel's got her spies out? She's looking for me. And did not I hear that Zarephath is the hometown of Jezebel? Yep, that's where I want you to go. You see, the man that went in to Corinth Ravine could have never made the journey like the man who spent a year in the Corinth Ravine. Is that what you want me to do, God? Yep. Are you giving me a sidekick? Nope. Going by yourself. He starts his journey. Wow. Unbelievable. I have no idea how am I going to get there. Didn't I tell you that I'd protect you? Didn't I tell you you're sending me to Jezebel's hometown? And didn't I hear you just say that you're sending me to a little widow? Listen carefully, Elijah. When you get to Zarephath, I'm going to have the poor widow take care of you. A poor widow? How about a wealthy landowner? No, a poor widow. I'm sending you to Jezebel's hometown, and the poor widow will give you safety. I'm going from bad to worse. I mean, all that time I was a good boy here, but now that journey's 100 miles. I'm going from bad to worse. Well, well, what do you mean? Hey, I've been tithing. My bills are stacking up. I've been working out, and I'm getting sick. Well, I lost 50 pounds, and people tell me that I look sick. Yada, 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 yada. It's God, what in the world is happening, bad to worse? You're scared to death. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how long it's going to be there, and you feel like you're a marked person. God, I feel like there's a mark on me. I feel like that there is a curse on me. I feel like that there's a reason why. I don't seem to be getting some of the things that, that I would like to get. Well, there are three things to remember on this road, this path. Number one, the path to a miracle is always through uncomfortable territory. Let me say it again. It's up here, isn't it? The path to a miracle is always through uncomfortable territory. Miracles never happen in your comfort zone. They never happen at convenient. They never happen when you don't need them. Here it is. Miracles only happen when you've decided to follow God. 
Here's the other thing, too, that we need to remember. The source of a miracle is always unexpected. You never know where the miracle is going to come from. It may come from where you think it would never come unexpectedly. God may take somebody you don't even like and place you on their heart because they don't know you don't like them. And say, let me help you. Let me do something for you. God, I can't figure it out. God said, quit trying to figure it out. Oh, you got to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah, that works with Scripture. The footsteps of a righteous man are ordered as long as you are at the right place at the right time. Hello? Are y'all out there? Anybody listening? Amen? Online? Y'all listening out there? I know that you do. Somebody text me uh, or send me a pay from Australia. Hope you preach well today, Pastor, watching in Australia. I said, hope y'all enjoy it. You know what we try to do? We try to manipulate God. But you know what? In Isaiah 55, he said, don't sweat it. My ways are just not the way that you think. So here's what God does. God is God, and I'm not. Let's say that together. God is God, and I'm not. Let's say it again. God is God, and I'm not. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Well, then quit trying to play God. And don't get in God's way. Stay out of God's way. Let God be God and know that you're not. But the pattern for a miracle of three ways, here it is, I'm going to give it to you, is number one, it's called CPR. CPR, command, promise, and risk. Command, promise, and risk. If you get that in your heart, every time God performs a miracle, it comes in this format. He gives us a command. And then he says, if you do as I command, here's the promise of what you're going to gain. And then you say, have, have the command. Here's the promise of what you're going to have if you follow through. But then, then it's risk. But you have got to take the step of faith doing what I command. The promise is not yours until you take your step. And so Elijah is there. You want me to walk through enemy territory, right through where wanted posters are up. That's right. I want you to go right through there. I want you to go right through there. And then thirdly, the third place of Elijah is the test of his faith is a place of scarcity. Here it is, 1 Kings. When he reached the town gate, Elijah saw a widow gathering firewood. He asked her, would you please bring me a drink of water? And as she was going to get it, she was a heathen. She was a Baal worshiper. Elijah added, oh yeah, please bring me a small piece of bread too. And don't send a bird with it. Woman's a stranger. She's little more than a homeless person. She's poor, and Elijah says to her, I need your help. Elijah, you do as I command when you meet this woman. And you remember my promise, and you take care of her, and she will take care of you. But you're going to have to take a risk. Now, this is what encouraged Elijah's faith. Hey, give me some water and also bring me some bread. This lady was a bell worshiper. Here was her response. As surely as your God lives. Do you think God was not preparing her heart for when Elijah got there? Come on, somebody. Do you think God would take a little broke widow woman with one meal left who's looking at death for her son and not plant faith that she has enough faith to say, oh, let me tell you, as surely as your God Jehovah lives, I'll do what you say. Don't you ever discount one person, but what that person cannot be used by God to bring to pass something God desires to give you when you know his command and you take the step of promise and risk. 
Wow, that's just good preaching. She was an idol worshiper. She said, all I have is a handful of flour. All I have is one little dill in a jug of olive oil. I'm going to gather the wood and make a fire and prepare my son's last meal. You see, God, is this who you sent me to? This is what I get for risking and trusting and walking that hundred miles and staying in that ravine for a year. You see, when we always come to the conclusion to something of that, that, that test, it is actually a test. Now listen, there's some things that God's laid his hand on some of you for. There is a ministry, there is a future, there is a path. But some have not been in the ravine lately. So you can refocus. So God intimately can say, let's do some reflection. When you went through difficult, I was there. I provided people to assist you and to help you. They were my hands reaching into your life. When you went the tough time financially, you went to your pastor, you went to the church, and they reached out and said, yeah, we're available. When you didn't know which way to go and who to contact to get help, yeah. Somebody had the answer and had the name of the person that you needed. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and make the small cake of bread and get me the water. God's promise is that the oil will never run out until the rain ends the famine. Elijah stayed with her for more than two years. Would Jezebel ever think to go to a little widow's house to find the man of God? You think? A little worship, a little woman that worshiped the idol of Baal, you think she'd ever go there? No. So the widow did what Elijah told her to do. And she and her son and Elijah had enough food every day. He was at Zarephath. Remember? Do you know what it means in the Hebrew? It means refinery. You see, in other words, God is refining Elijah's faith and the widow's as well. The refinery is a refinery is a place where heat and pressure purify the raw material to make something useful. And when you feel the heat of God breathing down your neck, and you feel the heat of a circumstance and say, God, I'll tell you what, I don't know what I'm going to do. You see, it's the exact opposite of the rut. The sun only shone right just overhead. But when, when, when you're in the refinery, you're feeling the intense pressure. The intense pressure. How do you have the time? How do you have the money? How do you have the resource? How do you have the, what, how's that going to happen? It's impossible. So God gave me this. I want to share it with you. May I suggest to you that right now, the person who or the situation that is going to meet your need in your life, God is already working on them. And through them or that situation, he's preparing for the two of you to meet to fulfill God's glory in your life. When that, I wrote that out, I said, God, that speaks. For you think that widow lady worried about her son and the prophet of God that she did not know gave her instruction and she said, as surely as your God lives, that God was not already preparing her to meet his need. And you know what God did? 
I'm going to supply her need, her boy's need, and your need, and I'm going to do it supernaturally. And then let me say this to you. God is not happy with some of us. Uh Uh-oh. He's not happy. Because some of you have gone through incidences and circumstances and you have your own story. Maybe it wasn't a big thing just between you and God or a few other people. But you have never breathed it. You've never made it public that others who face circumstances like you, oh, that wasn't nothing, it was just, you know what, everything God does for you, you ought to journal it and say, here it is, Pastor, a testimony of God's goodness. Y'all out there, a testimony of God's goodness. Well, I don't want to be embarrassed. I've, I've got a little bit of pride. Get rid of it. Be used of God. Let God use you to bless other people to give them hope. And I encourage you to do that during this series. Just let God lead you. So here we go. For that to happen and the miracle to come, here's what happens. Whatever I need more of, give what I have to God. Whatever I have more of, give what I have to God. Number two, whatever I have least of, I give to God. There it is. And then I don't give to be a blessing or get a blessing, but I give to be a blessing. If you want a miracle, you give what you don't have to give. You give when you really need to hold on to it. And when you do that, the journey that you're on will get sweeter. And you will enter into a territory. You know, I don't don't know about you, but in every day for the meal to appear and the oil to appear, I say shazam (laughs) or something like that. Shalom. (laughs) I got my words mixed up. (laughs) I can't believe it. He, He did it again. He did it again. He did it again. How many have ever been surprised that God answered a prayer that you prayed? Man, I see your hand. You say, God answered it. Well, I can't believe it. I'm going to try that prayer out again. What is your story? Miracles are available and will be a part of your life if you're willing to be obedient to God. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. You mind doing that? Here we go. A good old clap offering. Those of you that are at home, thank you so much for watching today. We're not through. And those of you here, I want to encourage you to, let's think about, because some in this room are not right with Jesus. You know, there's one thing to make a commitment to a religion, When you make a commitment to a religion and you pray a little prayer, but you don't have any change, that's a commitment to religion. But when you pray a prayer of repentance to God, and you made your mind up, change will take place. You won't be the same. You won't be the same. You just won't be the same. I was this morning Wawa early limited time and there was a man at the register he was not real kind he didn't like what the cashier was telling him and he had a lotto ticket and she couldn't deal with it at her register and he didn't like that And boy, he's upset. And he's letting his anger show. And I stood back and I thought, you know, if you'll just kind of move on out of the way, I can get through here and get out of here. 
So I look in the little sandwich that I get if I go to Wawa. I pick one up, or no, I told the manager, all these look like they've been up here a little while. I want one that is just put up here. He wanted, I think they just put, I said, go, go look, please get it for me. Here we go. He got, oh, this one, good. I went to the cashier. This guy's still there. He's still upset. <laughs> and she said, these are two for one today. I said, two first? Yeah, two for one. Now, I don't know about you. Publix is really good at, you know, buy one, get one free. It ain't ever free, friend. You, all, you take a stuff home you don't even need because it was two for one. How many cans of sardine and mustard sauce do you need? And though I like mustard sauce sardines. So I said, give me two of them. She said, okay. And I took it and I turned to him. He's from here to that guitar player over there. No, he's not that far. He's halfway. And I took, I said, hey, these are two for one today. Do you want, no, I don't need it. I said, listen to me. I don't need it. But you skinny. I don't need two of them. You really going to give up a, I said, I'm going to give it up. I want to give it to you. Went over and he took, I think I will take it. That whole situation changed just like that. Whole changed. Because number one, nobody wanted to fight with him. And number two, it's hard for a person who wants to fight to turn down a helping hand. Amen? And so he took the sandwich, I guess, and he ate it. And that was it. He walked out when I walked out with mask. And that was all she wrote. Now, I don't know. I thought about that. I told Sharon about it. I, thought, I don't know what God may have done through that situation. But I know this. I felt really good about it. Amen? I felt really good about it. So I'm going to ask you to let's pray. And I want you to look at your heart and your life. And I want you to let God speak to you. Can we do that together? Here we go. Heavenly Father, let's repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for forgiveness. Come into my heart. Purify my heart. Purify my mind. Heal me. I admit I have behaved improperly. I have messed things up. But today... I'm coming home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's clap for the Lord, shall we? There is a card in the pew there. If you'd like to say, Pastor, I, I prayed that prayer. And give me some material. If you're online, go there and you can just send us a message and, and uh, tell us, and we'll follow up with you. We're going to continue one more little bit of worship. I love you, everybody. Stay safe, and let's be praying like never before for God to send us some miracles. Amen? I love you. God bless. Come on, every voice this morning, can we declare from our hearts? We sing, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus.
back this coming Wednesday. We love you guys. Have an awesome day.